AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, before we begin this week's episode, two things really quickly. Please make sure to support the PhD podcast by clicking the Patreon link in the show notes. Um, we have two different tiers. One tier is called Girl and the other tier is called Child. And some really cool benefits for you to be a part of the PhD podcast and to help me out with some things because we are growing. And last but not least, if you are listening to this episode on an iPhone, please make sure to leave a five-star review at the bottom of this episode. Um, you can leave a review or you can just leave the five stars by itself. But right now, we are over 100 five-star reviews. So let's keep that love going. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this week's episode. Until next time, later. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional Welcome to this week's episode of the PhD Podcast. This is your girl, Ebene, and as always, I am super excited about this week's episode. Um, before we, we begin, you know the routine. Let's do a little housekeeping. Please make sure to follow me on Instagram at the Professional Homegirl, at the PhD Podcast, and last but not least, at Ebene Beauty. Please make sure to follow me on Twitter at T-H-E-P-H-G underscore. Make sure you show the website some love at www thephgpodcast.com and last but not least if you have any questions comments or concerns please make sure to email me at hello at thephgpodcast.com now please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous so let's begin this week's episode so to my guests how are you feeling i'm good i'm good i mean you know making it through the entire coronavirus and just trying to trying to stay afloat (laughs) 
please don't get me started with COVID-19. <laughs> I am so annoyed. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. Um, It's so unexpected. And things are just changing. Like, I keep on telling people, like, life is never going to be the okay. way it was before. Yeah, exactly. Like, we never expected this. It just, you know, hit us for a whirlwind. And now it's to the point where it's like, for the next five-ish years things are just going to be totally different so I'm just rolling with the punches trying to still uh make sure I empower my you know clients and following and stuff like that but yeah I'm okay Girl, I totally feel you well I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out your busy schedule to speak with me and to share some free legal gems with my guests um, for those that didn't know I have an MBA in general management and entrepreneurship so this episode is like really super special to me because I really want to empower everyone that's listening with your legal gym. So thank you. No, thanks for having me. So let's start from the beginning. Now, what exactly do you specialize in? So I am what I consider a brand protection attorney. I kind of made that up, but oh, it's that's okay. cute. I like that. <laughs> um, there are a couple other attorneys who are brand. I, we all consider ourselves brand protection attorneys, but I am an attorney for creatives and entrepreneurs. I specialize in trademarks, copyrights, um, which is considered intellectual property. I do contracts of all facets. I also help you form your business and just overall legal business consultations. So I am an attorney that's going to help you just get all your legal ducks in the row when it comes to your business and ensuring that you're protecting the business that you're growing. And how long have you been practicing law? So I've been practicing law for four years and I've been out nice. on my own for two years. Nice. So you, would you consider yourself an entrepreneur as well? I am. I am an entrepreneur. Um, I run my own firm. So yes, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. I understand the struggles of, you know, having a small business. I understand the struggles of, you know, starting from the ground. I did come from a background where I worked in a corporate law firm. So I did do a lot of corporate work and came from a larger, you know, a from a larger scale and then scaled it down back to my community, which are my entrepreneurs and creatives. So yes, I am in the trenches with everyone else. I tell all of my clients, I get it. I understand because the same things that every other business is going through, I am also going through that with my law firm, good or bad. Right. But you know, we all have the same thought processes. We all have the same systems that we use. We all have the same ideals. So that's what kind of sets me apart from working with a large corporate law firm, because sometimes they just don't get it. I mm -hmm. am the person that gets it because I'm living and eating and breathing it day by day with all of my clients and the entrepreneurs that I serve. I know you made a comment on your site about the old school lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yo, that is so true. Cause a lot of people just don't get creatives and entrepreneurs. Like it's no. not like a, a straight path. Like there are so many twists and turns. There's so much twists and turns. There's so much things that you have to kind of bend a little bit, especially when it comes to the law, um, when you're dealing with a certain type of client. So for example, um, at my corporate firm, when we used to issue contracts, the contracts used to be like a treatise. Like, you know, they'd be like 17 pages worth of content and written in old English and wouldn't actually speak to certain things such as like social media promotion and stuff of that nature. And now 
because of the market that I'm dealing with, I have to make number one contracts that are readable because we are not, um, you know, we're, we're not in the business of having these long contracts that by the time you get to page five, you don't really remember what page one says. Number right. two, number two, we're not in the business of having these contracts that are written in a bunch of legal terms because we want to make sure that we understand. Like as a business owner, you know, you want to make sure you understand your contracts, your clients understand your contracts, and you're able to use it over again and again. Um, we also want to bring in social media aspects. I know social media Girl. plays a major part in every single business. There is not one functioning business right now that does not have an aspect of their brand that is focusing on social media. So I incorporate social media into almost every single contract. I mean, if it boils down to you have to post at a certain time or you have to use this hashtag when you're tagging me or you have to, you know, submit the original photos to social media and don't put the filters. You know, all of these minute things that sometimes the quote unquote old school lawyers, as I call them, don't really understand. That's it's how so I'm, important. It's so important. Like, so that's kind of how I bring my approach to it, where I understand what is happening. I know what's going on. I'm actually on social media there with everyone. So I get it and I get what my business owners want and what they need. So I am now bringing a kind of new, innovative approach to the law. Oh, that sounded sexy. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, why did you want to become a lawyer for entrepreneurs? So um, a little background about where I came from. I went to law school, wanted to be a criminal lawyer, got to law school, realized this isn't for me. Um, yes, I do love to help people, but I was just so emotionally attached to what was going on with some of these criminal cases that I did not think that would be healthy for me you know mentally mm. physically to be so emotionally attached um to the outcome of the case so while in law school um some people do know and some people don't know that you don't really need to have a specialty so you can go in there with a general idea of what you want to do and as you're in the trenches you kind of figure out your path you figure out which way you want to go and so on um backtrack a little bit before I got to law school I was a retail manager at Forever 21 now I was one of those people that loved retail like mm -hmm. I lived breathed slept retail really? yes I loved it I loved what I did I loved to learn the inner workings of the business so as I you know got my job I quickly moved up from a cashier to what they considered like uh, what was it like like a key Family? holder key yeah holder. yeah like a key yeah. holder um I forgot what they, we called it and then I became a manager all within like five months of being there with being a manager I started to become very intertwined with the operations of the business so anybody mm. who comes from a retail background knows that you are as a retail manager not only there overseeing the associates you mm -hmm. were also behind the operations yeah so I have an operational uh, manager background yeah. too and I love and operations so yeah I when I say I loved it I loved it um so from my love of that and then meeting individuals who were in the 
retail legal field who were in the business legal field, I realized that my love for the operations behind the retail business and just the operations behind every single business, plus my love with the law kind of meshed together and brought me into this whole sector of being an attorney for um, businesses. So essentially, I started off with corporate businesses um, Mm -hmm. at my law firm. And then I realized that the same ideals that corporations are using, I can scale that down and provide my small business owners and creatives and entrepreneurs the same you know, the, the same ideals and the same opportunities. So that's kind of how I went into it. I went in from a retail background, just a love for retail operations and also a love for the law and have found a way to mix the two and create what is known as my brand today. No, that's really dope. And I feel like there's not a lot of... um. A lot, there's not a lot of um, attorneys that specializes in um, entrepreneurship and creators and helping them protect their brand. Yeah, it's a very it's a very niche market. Um, mm-hmm. Just for and I, I mean, I don't know why I, I was going to give a, a reason why, but then I'm just like, wait, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, wait, yeah. But I, I don't, I actually don't know why it's a niche market, but it's also very needed. And I realized that there was a void that I had to fill um, mm-hmm. because there was not anyone, uh, and there were a couple, but there weren't a great amount of people that I saw that were honing in on this small business community this entrepreneur Mm. this startup community so there there has been an influx of like you know accountants for startups and um business coaches for startups and all these startup incubators were happening and you know all of these uh shared workspaces like look at we work like there were all these shared workspaces for startups you know there were all of these things that were being formulated for startups and small businesses yet the legal field was like five steps behind these startups who had much less capital who probably wanted to work with their peer rather than someone who was a little Mm. bit more far removed from what's going on in the league um in, in the startup community right now they were still having to you know take a big chunk out of their budget to go to the bigger corporate firms similar to where I came from to get this assistance and when they were going there it wasn't always they weren't always being provided adequate service because mm. sometimes the, the they fact. just didn't know you know mm-hmm. sometimes you'll go to these individuals and don't get me wrong they have been seasoned attorneys and they've been doing this for a long time but then they don't understand small things such as yes your your business does not need to be making you know a million dollars in revenue to apply for a trademark and you know so so the ideals that were being projected to these small companies weren't tailored to their size they Mm. were just like a one size fits all for hey you know we're going to tell give or take a large you know fortune 500 company this is the trajectory that you take. And then we're going to also tell my, my painters and the artists, this is the same trajectory that you take and you follow in the same footsteps as this Fortune 500 company. And sometimes it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. So um, 
I, I just, I, I realized the need. I realized it was a niche market. I also realized that they weren't really getting what they deserved. And that's kind of how I came across um, this field. And, you know, I guess that's, yeah. <laughs> well, by doing that, I know you've been busy. So what does an average day look like? Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so what does an average day look like for you? So um, my average day is different every single day. As you uh, know, no business, especially small businesses, run the same. So I mm-hmm. have been fortunate enough to have team members who do assist and who do help. Um, so at the beginning of each day, First and foremost, I always try to read a little bit, um, whatever book it is I'm reading at the time. Uh, doesn't always happen, but I try. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I do actually wake up later than expected, so I don't get to read uh, what I want to read. Um, so I do try to read, and then I always check in with my team members just so we have uh, understanding on what is on the agenda for the day Mm -hmm. so I do I'll check in with my team members and then I'll get to work um things are a lot different now that it's work from home when I was working um in my office there was there's certain days that some of my team members would come in and would not come in so sometimes they did work remotely also but it was a little bit different for me because I would actually travel to the office now Mm -hmm. I'm not traveling to the office I'm traveling to uh, my living room. Living room? Not, <laughs> yes, I'm traveling to my living room, which has now turned into my office. Um, but as far as work wise, literally every single day is different because every day clients have different needs and different things that I need to, you know, tackle for them. So any given day, I might have like you know, two to three calls per day. I'll hop on social media for a little bit. I'll answer DMs. I'll go in. I will engage with any comments that I have. I always do try to post every single day. Like I said, doesn't always happen as well. Um, but I, I, a big chunk of my day is also answering emails. So I answer all my emails throughout the day. And then believe it or not, and my clients know this, you, most of my work is done in the nighttime. So my Mm. legal work is done from the hours of like 7 p.m. to give or take one in the morning. Mm -hmm. Really, really odd hours because I try to schedule my day that I am very available during the business hours when people normally contact me so I'm following up with emails following up with calls answering being more accessible and stuff being more accessible throughout those hours and then I take the later part of the day to then do all my legal work do all my legal research and stuff and then also being accessible for my, my team also because my team um my intern and my paralegal, they'll sometimes have questions and I always want to make sure I am there to answer any of those questions throughout the day. So legal work happens in the night, which Mm -hmm. is very, I hear a lot of attorneys do this too, but legal work for me happens in the nighttime. And what I do is (laughs) then I I do things late at night or early in the morning. Sometimes I'll wake up at like five Mm o'clock and I batch send emails at eight. So any given morning, there will be 20 emails that will go out at 80. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work being an entrepreneur, man. Yes. 
any given morning, especially like when you're service, emails. it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a lot. So, um, yeah. So, you know, it, every day, there's no typical way that my day goes. I do try to schedule things um, as far as my calls, meetings, checkups with clients and stuff like that. I schedule it throughout the day, but I am just kind of rolling with the punches sometimes each day just because things change so quickly for me um you know yet today something could happen and then tomorrow it like shifts the whole trajectory of what I need to do for the day so I know so it's a very long-winded answer (laughs) but my days are never predictable yeah it's never the same like hey you come in you do this this that and the third because I also like I said I'm very very big on showing up for my clients and being there when they need me you know as you're running a business and as an entrepreneur there are so many things that happen and I just want to make sure that me as the attorney can be there to give you your answers so if you're having a panic attack you know if there's something going on if you find that someone has sued your business or you know whatever is happening I just want to make sure that I am not you know, blocking out long periods of time out of my schedule to not be available right. for my clients that I continue to serve. See, this is the type of person y'all need to be working with. Not these <laughs> people y'all be finding on Instagram. No! <laughs> giving you advice on things that they think they may know. Like, you need to yeah. find people that know exactly what they're doing and actually care, especially if you're going to be spending money. Like, Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that's and that's my big thing. Like, outside of just doing work and whatever I actually care so I care what happens that's the value of it right I am passionate about this I have and a lot of my clients can attest to this I send like random emails random text messages and sometimes it's like after we're finished working together or it's even before we finish working together I mean before we start working together or I'll see something on Instagram and I'm like, hey, you know, I really love that product, whatever. I just always want to be here, not as a resource, but kind of as somebody that you know you can always go to in the event something happens. Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely care. I genuinely care. So it's not, like like you said, uh, you got to be careful sometimes with who you find on social media. Um, but I always tell people, like, I'm, I'm here to help in any way shape or form possible whether it's legal non-legal and so on I am here to help you well for me uh, with this question I'm about to ask you I think the reason why I was a little skeptical about hiring a lawyer is because I'm really big on working with people that look like me especially women so Mm -hmm. why do you think entrepreneurs are skeptical about hiring a lawyer I think think it could be a number um, of reasons yeah, yeah. I think it's a number of reasons. Um, number one, they want somebody who looks like them. They also want somebody who's relatable. For so sure. I am very, I am very happy that in the most in the uh, recent years, when I first started, I did not see a lot of black, um, you know, women attorneys. But in the recent years, I'm seeing a lot of women and a lot of um, women of color that are entering the legal field. And I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's just like, you know, we are 
opening businesses at a rapid speed, why not also have someone who looks like me who was protecting my business mm-hmm. as well? So I love it. I love it. Um, so I think that was one reason. Number two is the relatability. I know that um, a lot of lawyers uh, and it, it, I won't fault them, but it was just kind of the way that the field worked. Mm-hmm. They were always, I guess, groomed and conditioned to to kind of be put on this pedestal. So it's like the lawyer is not somebody that you always contact because the lawyer is, you know, hard to get. Or the lawyer is someone who is going to speak in all these legal terms that you don't really understand. So I think that was also something that a lot of people shied away from lawyers because they were a little bit um, intimidated. They didn't feel like the lawyer was someone that they wanted to work with. They also, they felt like the lawyer was kind of not on their side. So people always looked at it as, I'm going to only wait till there's an issue and then I'm finally going to get this, you know, this other party involved. Um, that and what else? I think it's also the... A major thing that I hear a lot of people say and why they haven't worked with lawyers is just the cost. And yes, I it's understand sometimes though. it is. Yeah, it is an investment. Absolutely. It is an investment in your business that I think is imperative because spending that money right now is going to save you in the future from shelling out a larger lump sum of money in the event you get into an issue. Um, but what I did what I do know is a lot of individuals were always nervous because they were uncertain of whatever cost is going to come after speaking to this lawyer, which is why I scaled back. And I said to myself, when I was building my firm, how am I going to take away some of, um, some of the uncertainties that entrepreneurs have when they're speaking to lawyers, when they're dealing with lawyers, how can I change that business model and make mine different? So I do not do hourly billing. Mm-hmm. The entire uncertainty about I, you know, retained the lawyer, I gave this lawyer how much ever thousands of dollars for them to even get on the phone with me. And then on top of that, they're telling me, you know, I'm billing upwards of four or $500 an hour. I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but I'll still do it for you. I took all of that out because I wanted to create um, a level of comfort between my clients and myself and to let them know, if you were going to undertake this expense with working with a lawyer, here's how much it's going to cost. Here's also what the options are for repayment. Mm-hmm. If you want to break it up into some in, into a couple of you know payment plans, we can work on that. You know, I kind of made it a little less daunting to hire a lawyer. So all of the the things that people have been swarming around entrepreneurs and creatives heads about lawyers, all the negative stigma, I kind of you know, dispelled all of that as much as possible to let people know, hey, I am a lawyer, I will, I will come to your, your event, I will come to your, um, your brick and mortar store. Now I, I see you out in these you. streets. You be, you be mass supportive you. of your clients. Yeah. I be seeing you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I will, I will text, I will text you. You will not get any unexpected bills from me. So it's like all of those negative things that kind of let people kind of had people feel like, oh my gosh, I don't want to work with a lawyer. I kind of dispelled that. And then one last thing, um, 
I want to just throw in there is that I found, and it's a little bit better now, but it's still also a work in progress. But I have found that entrepreneurs and creatives do not think their business needs a lawyer at the beginning. Mm. Whoa, so wait, 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 they... slow down, slow down. I got that. I got that question ready. Okay. 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 Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay. So at this point, I think that if you're an, an entrepreneur or you're an, an, a creative or like if you just have ideas and juices flowing, I would strongly urge you to get a notebook out, take some notes because I feel like these are all the questions that everybody and their daddy want to know. And I am confident <laughs> that my guests will answer them. And if you want to team up with her, if you want her to advise you on some things, just email me at hello at the phdpodcast.com and I will send you her information and don't be asking her for no discount because we don't do that. We're going to support our brownies, our professional home Stop. girls. Yeah. <laughs> we're all trying to get to it. So. <laughs> what are some common mistakes that entrepreneurs make? Uh, common mistakes. I think the first biggest mistake, um, similar to what I said before, but the first biggest mistake is not bringing on an attorney at the beginning of your entrepreneurial, uh, journey. Mm -hmm. I cannot stress how many times I have had to play cleanup and go back and show individuals this all could have been avoided if we worked together at the beginning. And I get it. I completely get it. Sometimes legal is not in your budget. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. Legal is not always At least in you're your honest budget. to say it too. How, I, I think that says a lot about your character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I understand that sometimes that is not at the top of your list. And I empower, you know, my uh, creatives and entrepreneurs even le- even if legal working with an attorney is not at the top of your list, there is Google University. Mm-hmm. You can put things, certain legal protections together that will be better than you not having them at all. So for example, if you do not know how to write your own contracts, but you just want to create a basic term sheet with an invoice, that is better that lists all the terms that you and this individual agreed upon, that is better and will hold weight more weight than no document whatsoever. So that's a major thing that I just tell all creatives and entrepreneurs, start somewhere when it comes to the legalities of mm. your business. Do not make that mistake and say, I don't have the money, I don't have the time to to, to, you know, finalize this with a legal document, that doesn't exist. Like, you, either you work with an attorney or you do something really quickly and, and put some some sort of protection mm-hmm. together and move forward from there. So, and then all the, all the legal, everything that falls under legal, whether it's trademarks, whether it's copyrights, whether it's um, contracts, whether it's forming your own LLC. But I just think the number one mistake that a lot of them make are not taking those legal steps from the beginning. And it's hard. And, yeah, you know, it's and hard. I had to learn the hard way, which I'll tell y'all another day. Because um, it is important <laughs> for us entrepreneurs and creators to have a basic understanding of the law. Because like you said, I'd rather lose out on $500 now opposed to $5,000 later. 
Yeah. And like, you know, I put it into perspective for people. I say uh, small things like imagine if you built a brand and you're building your brand and, you know, you create this large social media following and you have all this, uh, all these customers, you're selling your products, you've branded all your products, and then you go launch and you make how much ever money and then boom, one day you get hit with a cease and desist mm. letter. And then all of a sudden you are, you have been informed that, you know, we know that you are not, you haven't done this maliciously, but you are infringing on our trademark and which is a recent um law that came out. I mean, a recent ruling that came out and we want whatever money you've made from those products that you've sold for the past year and a half. Mm. And by the way, you have to change your name. So it's now that initial set of money that you would have spent on having an attorney do a clearance search, having an attorney ensure that your name can be used is now completely completely wiped out because you are now spending way more money to go back and play cleanup you made money that you now have to give back to another company you also have to bring on a litigating attorney and when I when I say that I say attorney who goes to court um those attorneys who will defend your lawsuits do not work on a flat fee basis Mm -hmm. how I do they also start with retainers. Oh. So upwards of $10,000 for you, for them to even start looking at your file. Like they want you to give them this money up front. So say all that to say, if you had done those steps at the beginning, you would not have been in this instance on the back end. Yeah, man, I'm telling y'all, I'd rather you, I'd rather you lose $5. <laughs> exactly. Like I, you know, I say that. And then I always, I always make this analogy. Like, Imagine if you love, per se, mm-hmm. Macy's, right? Imagine if you love Macy's, you're always going into Macy's, you love the store, and then one day you wake up and you're driving to Macy's and Macy's has now changed the name. Yep. A consumer will not remember who you are just by well if you're a brick and mortar store then that's a little bit different sometimes they'll remember by location but your branding is Mm -hmm. everything so if one day you start getting emails from someone else and you know you're always looking for macy's emails what are you going to do as a consumer you're going to delete that because you're going to say whose Mm -hmm. business is this also do i do i trust this business to actually continue doing business with them you know i thought that they were x and now they're y and i'm confused you know we just don't want to ever leave that and y'all know customers we don't ever want to leave any room for that (laughs) customers will customers will get confused they remember you by your branding they remember you by your name and they remember you by Mm -hmm. your website if you have to change all of that and then retroactively go back and also redo all your branding redo all your products all of your marketing change your instagram name like it it is going to be so detrimental to a Mm -hmm. small business and as small business owners we don't have the time for that. Yeah. I'm gonna be quite honest. It's like, exhausting. Big, you know, large brands can do that. Yeah, large brands can do that, but we don't have the capital. We also don't have the time to then go back and correct everything. 
So just do it right from the beginning and you won't be in that situation. Um, could you also explain the different business structures, like the most popular ones, just to help everyone understand it a little bit better? Yeah, yeah. So um, different business structures are a corporation, which uh, are similar to LLCs. And then there are sole proprietorships. And then there's partnerships. So I'll go through the all four of them really quickly. And then there's other, you know, mm-hmm. subsections under that, which comes as your tax selection on how you're taxed. I'm not really going to yeah. go into that too much because it, it, it does get kind of confusing. But um, in a nutshell, you can either be a corporation, which protects your personal and your business assets from each other. So if your business is ever sued and, you know, your business has, in the bank account because you have not been generating any revenue, but someone slips and falls, for example, in your, you know, in your store. Um, But you are a trust fund baby and your family left you a trust fund. That trust fund, which is personal, is never going to be intertwined with any issues Mm. that your business has. There are a couple of ways that it can be done. But once you set up an entity and you run your books and records, like, um, and you run your business as a Mm -hmm. corporation, you, your personal assets and your business assets will be separated. And the same goes for LLCs. The difference between LLCs and corporations are the way that they are run. LLCs, for example, are very, very straightforward, easy to run. There aren't any formalities that you need to do. And when I say formalities, I mean, you don't have to have a meeting if you don't want to with your owners. You don't have to take any, um, you don't have to do any minutes. So like, you don't have to do extensive record keeping. You don't have to write certain consent if you enter like into a contract a bunch of things that you need to do with corporations that the statute says you have to do versus llc's it's kind of like this is mine i'll do Mm -hmm. it how i want i don't have to follow any statute very very free-flowing straightforward and it still protects your business and your personal assets so that's kind of essentially the difference between llc's and corporations small businesses nine I will I don't let me not give a percentage but a large amount of small businesses choose Mm. LLCs and choose a specific tax election which is an s-corp tax election under LLCs to maximize the taxes that they get back at the end of the year now on the other hand corp although corporations have those formalities startups and people who are looking for investments and seed investment choose mm. corporations because that that's the structure that you use um to get more corporate owner um to get more ownership and to get more investment so you know an investor's not going to come in so like all the people you see in shark tank and stuff they if they're not a, a corporation they transfer to a corporation because it provides more benefits for investors to invest in your business and get mm. shares in your business versus the llc's does not it's not really that favorable um you can still get investments with llc's but most seed investors people who go through seed investing they always always do um corporations so that's kind of the difference between that so it's like apples and oranges it all depends on sometimes 
the trajectory of your business, whether what you want for long-term and what makes more sense for you tax-wise um, between LLC and Corp. Uh, and then the other two, sole proprietorships are literally, they are a business entity and you can form a sole proprietorship with your um mm-hmm. with your state however they don't provide you any sort of protection any, any yeah. sort of protection whatsoever so having a sole prop proprietorship is just basically like i am just doing business as myself and i have my yeah i would never recommend that one. assets <laughs> kind of all together yeah never never all together and in, in the same in the same boat, and when one right. thing goes, everything goes. That's a your home, your car. It's just kind of commingling everything together. I never recommend it. Um, a lot of people do start off in that way, but like I said, once again, it all depends on the level um th- that you are in your business. You know, where are you? Some people they're starting off with with very limited capital. They don't even have the resources to make that step and form an LLC or corporation. That's fine. But I always say, let's start to get out of that sole proprietorship Mm. mindset and let's start an LLC or corporation from the beginning. But, you know, it happens and you can't, everybody's path and trajectory is different. Um, And then finally, partnerships. Partnerships are very, very um, tricky. (laughs) Partnerships are... yeah, I, I wouldn't want to say they're tricky, but they have been they have been thought to be a separate legal entity. And yes, they are, but the partnerships are literally the the same thing as a sole proprietorship, but mm. with multiple people. So a partnership is just like you have four or five people, you guys all come together to create a business entity. But if something were to go wrong with that entity, and the entity is sued, once again, all of those business owners are going to be personally liable for any other asset, uh, any of the debts mm. or liabilities. So similar to a sole proprietorship, the partnership is the same way just with multiple people. People, uh, for years, people have always been so pro partnerships, and I don't think they really realize the legal ramifications mm-hmm. behind it. I don't suggest getting into just partnerships alone because the partnership by itself is not going to give you any protection. You can get into an LLC or a corporation and then make all of the business owners partners and owners together and it be okay, but just a simple partnership. Um, it, it doesn't do much. It doesn't really hold Can you much have weight. multiple companies under one LLC? Yes, yes. So you can create what is called a holding company. And a lot mm-hmm. of companies do this. Um, and you can do the same thing with, with corporations. You can create holding companies. You can create sister companies. You can do a bunch of things with your LLC. Um Yeah. So say, for example, you know, you have one overarching LLC, um, And then you want to run, if you want to create like a clothing line, the clothing line can be owned by your, your umbrella company, um, which is holding slash umbrella company. Then you Mm -hmm. can have your podcast, then you can have, you know, a service that you provide and all of them will be different LLCs itself under one kind of overarching uh, holding company that's like an umbrella. So like that umbrella is holding everybody. It's holding down the fort. It's making sure everything is okay. The only thing sometimes that the uh, the holding company does is just 
you know, checks on the books and records back and forth for each of the entities. But yes, you can have multiple entities under owned by mm. one LLC. It, it, it happens all the time. And it's a really good way. I do suggest a lot of my business owners to move to that model. Once you are creating multiple um, different industries in one LLC. So you can have an LLC, for example, and run five businesses under there. But the better way to do it is create multiple LLCs mm. under that one LLC. To so like a perfect, a perfect example of this would be um, LVMH. So you have mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton, you have Hennessy, I think now you have Fenty, and all these other high-end luxury places. Mm-hmm. Right. All these other... Exactly, exactly. So they're, they're the holding company, and they own all of those, and then there's all of those subsidiaries under LVMH that they own. Um, but, you know, in the fashion industry and in the retail industry, it's very, very uh, interesting, and a lot of people don't realize this, that a large amount of fashion brands are owned by these Mm -hmm. companies like that is literally the way that a lot of fashion companies are able to survive essentially and then even even with uh other industries too i mean i was listening to a podcast and dannon which Mm -hmm. does the yogurts they own a lot of smaller yogurt Mm. brands as well um uh a, a bunch of companies you know there's a bunch of companies that form these conglomerate mm-hmm. holding companies and what they do is buy, they they acquire the smaller brands and that is what allows some of these smaller brands to survive to right for the long term mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know they get the funding they get the backing the they resources get, um, the partnerships i mean the resources i mean when you think about it lvmh is really what has yeah. pushed fenty to yeah. where it is right now you know they got them yeah. into sephora that's a fact and they got the fenty brand now the, the clothing brand into uh, into the outlets that it is just because they are now using their inside network and promoting each of the brands so it's a really it's it's great, especially when you're in the retail sector, it's really great to build your brand to a level and then attempt to become mm-hmm. acquired by one of these holding companies. That's the goal. Well, not the goal, companies, but that's a, yes. that's a good goal to have. <laughs> It's a it's a great it, when I say it's a great goal to have. It also depends which, on exactly. what you want for your business. I, I yeah, I speak to a lot of business owners who they don't want that because they still want to control. have some sort of majority mm-hmm. control over their business. You know, when you're when you're selling to an LVMH and you are a profitable brand, yes, they will keep you. You will always remain the owner. You'll always remain the the uh, founder, not the owner. You'll always remain the founder. You might become a minority owner. So LVMH might own, you know, 55% and you own 45, you know, it happens so much times. So sometimes people are a little bit scared of that, but I just think it's not something to be scared about. It all depends on where you no, want I your agree. business to go. For the now, this run. is a million dollar question. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> can you please explain the difference between patent, trademark, and copyright? I get this question all the time. Um, 
Yes, it is the like, it's, it's a, a trillion, billion dollar, it's a question. dollar question. Like trillion dollar question. Like this is something that I ha- I get all the time. Okay, so trademarks, and I'm gonna put it into. We'll use Nike. Oh, They got a million example. trademarks, <laughs> They have a million trademarks. They got a million patents, and they have mm-hmm. a million copyrights. Like they they have just been. They're not playing no all games across the board. Intellectual intellectual property monsters them and amazon are up there like they're they're beasts when it comes to this okay so we'll put it into nike so your trademark would be your business name Mm -hmm. your business logo your slogan um any sort of symbol that you use so boiling down to nike nike is a trademark for the brand nike just do it is a slogan which is also a trademark for the brand Nike. The swoosh, which is a mm-hmm. symbol that they use, is also a trademark for the brand Nike. So anything that kind of shows brand, uh, provides brand recognition, shows what brand it is. When you look at a Ralph Lauren shirt, it's always going to have that guy playing polo um, because that is, a symbol of the brand anything that shows the brand whether it's your name your symbol or slogan or whatever once a customer looks at it they know exactly what brand it is that is what's going to be your trademark so people ask me all the time well can i trademark an idea no because an idea is not original Mm -hmm. to your brand whatever your trademark is it has to be something that is original to your brand and as soon as somebody sees it like as soon as someone sees just do it we're not gonna say oh yes that's adidas absolutely not we know it's nike so that's a trademark patent on the other hand which is something that i do not do and i always make that full disclaimer i'm not a patent attorney patents are the Mm -hmm. inventions the technical behind certain things so you can get a patent if you create or nike gets a patent if they create a sneaker with a certain sort of um technology Mm. behind it when i say that i mean if there is a sneaker that is specifically made for people who play Mm -hmm. basketball and allows you to jump higher that is an invention and that is some sort of technology behind the sneaker that you get a patent for so it's like the functional aspects of it something that is novel and unique is Mm -hmm. going to get a patent so you get a patent for a light bulb you get a patent for um if your sneaker has like some you know high jumping technology you would get a patent for any sort of invention that that is new and different Mm -hmm. that's what patents are um patents are very very a long process to get number one and also very difficult to obtain for the simple fact that there are so many inventions and there are so many um, moving pieces that are going on in society today that sometimes when you create something, someone else has probably already created it. So the, that's why the patent process is like really, really long um, and difficult to get. So that's patents. Uh, and then lastly, copyrights are for the artistic value of Mm -hmm. anything that you have so if your brand is doing a photo shoot photos are considered art if there is some sort of artwork that your business gets that is considered um 
uh, that is protected by copyright also. If there are any sneakers, like for Nike, for example, if Nike has a sneaker with like a mural on there, then they can get a, a copyright for that sneaker because that sneaker has some sort of artistic value in it. So anything that's like a work of art, whether it be a sculpture, whether it be a painting, a drawing, um, content, all of that is protected by yeah. copyright. So um, essentially, but always back to the Nike like you know those little short videos and those short films that Nike always creates for like that Nike run when they have mm -hmm, all that's those campaigns those videos mm -hmm. that's copyright that'll be protected by copyright versus the swoosh that's on the video by is going to be protected by trademark <laughs> but versus the sneakers that they are advertising that have some new technology that they've created with an engineer is going to be protected mm. by patent. So all workings, they're all very relevant when it comes to your business. And they're all, they're all um, aspects of your business that, that can be protected, but just and as far ways. as like the steps for applying for each one, they are all different, right? Okay. All different, all different. Um, patents and trademarks are housed by the same, um, the same, government entity so it's called the u.s patent and trademark office the process for patents i cannot speak to because mm -hmm. like i said i'm not a patent attorney i don't know what the specific process is on the website um but trademarks trademark process does differ from copyright process like trademarks for example will take no less than like 10 months versus copyrights sometimes you can get a copyright for your your artwork and your artistic portions mm -hmm. of your business in about like six months so you know they they all depend and copyright to house on a different website a different government entity and minus well. the patent side of everything what about the pricing for each one because i feel like a lot of people feel like they can do it themselves and they'll see a trademark for like 99 dollars, mm -hmm. and it's like no <laughs> trademarks do not cost no 99 dollars uh yeah no you can never <laughs> get a trademark for 99 dollars because the filing fee is $225. There's three, there's two different tiers now. They actually did away with the $400 application, which is a paper one, but it's either $225 or $275. So yes, no $99 <laughs> trademarks, unless that's, unless that's only like the attorney's fee, which I'll, I'll remain silent mm -hmm. on that. But I mean, uh, yeah. So the trademarks are going to either be 225 or 275 um the the not the patents the copyrights on the other hand are much much more affordable they are forty five dollars to 65 dollars <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's real yeah. cute yeah yeah and then yeah and then the good thing about pat uh i don't like patents keep coming in my head but the good thing about copyrights are you can bulk register them so i have people who i bulk register copyrights for all mm -hmm. the time and when i say bulk register i mean hey i have 75 pictures that i all want to get a copyright for we can put that all into one um one application and it's mm -hmm. still the same price like you can you can do that when it comes to copyrights. Trademarks, they're not I having know, I it. Try. They're like mm -hmm. 
one one trademark, one one filing fee. Let's not get cute here. Let's not get slick and try to throw everything in the kitchen sink. No. Copyrights, we're throwing everything in there. We're calling it right. one collection. And it's it's okay if they were all taken on different days. This is one collection, pictures of outside, period. So yeah, you know, you can you can do that, but not with trademarks, unfortunately. Is there anything that you can't trademark? Because I feel like you can trademark pretty much anything. Yes. You cannot trademark. Um so I, I make this distinction that say for example you had an idea for a, a ride share app and you wanted to say I don't want anybody else to use my um idea for a ride share app that is not an element that can you can get a trademark for um ideas are something that you can protect in other ways but mm-hmm. essentially you cannot get a trademark for your ideas so if you think you have a unique and novel business idea getting a trademark for it is not the way to go um also you cannot protect anything that is generic. So mm. if you are and like a commonly used term, generic is like a, a commonly commonly used term you cannot um, protect. Mm. So prime example is when LeBron James tried to get a trademark for Taco Tuesday. Oh, I knew that said, was a dub. <laughs> they said absolutely not because this is a terminology that is used widespread in our community if you as a basketball star are now disallowing other individuals to use a trademark for it what is the sense so Mm. they essentially trademark office wants people to be unique in their slogans their business names and stuff of that nature so like i cannot go and try to get a trademark for red shoes because then it would stop everybody else from using red Red shoes. shoes right it doesn't it doesn't make sense so anything that's commonly used anything that's you know um any sort of slogan that's widespread even more recently i put something up on my social media about all these coronavirus trademarks that have now popped up girl i saw that yes i survived the coronavirus coronavirus 2020 i survived the pandemic all these things you cannot get a trademark for that because essentially like i said we want to encourage the uniqueness of a business. We don't want to disallow other businesses from using common terms and create some sort of monopoly. So, mm-hmm. and there's a host of other things. The trademark trademark statute is very long and there's a host of other things, but those are the main ones that I do notice a lot of business owners try to um, get trademarks for because they they just want to like hold down the fort and say hey you know I want to be the only person to use Taco Tuesday when essentially they can't do so. So here's another billion dollar question. <laughs> you got a <laughs> lot. You have a lot of billion dollar questions. I do because I want to educate people because I know everybody's not meant to be an entrepreneur, but I think because of the times that we are in, I do want to encourage people and empower them to. You know, you have to have multiple streams of income. Absolutely. In, in today's society. And I want people to go about it the, the right way because I went about it the wrong way when I first started off on my entrepreneur journey. So um, the question is, what is the difference between inspiration and copyright infringement? 
Mm, okay, so very, very great question. It's also very hard to explain as like a cut and dry answer in a yeah. one way, just for the simple fact that there are so many different uh, avenues and ways that it could go depending on what the content is. So essentially, and then with social media, social media has thrown like a monkey wrench in the entire inspiration, copyright infringement, uh, and so on. So essentially, inspiration is what we call in the law fair use. So that is, are you using this copyrightable material, whether it be, you know, an art quotes from an article, pictures, um, part of somebody's podcast, whatever? Are you using that to generate revenue in your business? Or are you using that to just spread the word, spread some knowledge? Are you using that um, in, a, in a way where you're kind of taking it word for word? Or are you using that to um, as an inspiration? You know, you saw that they did something and you built upon it and you mm -hmm. kind of made it your own. But, mm -hmm. the, you know, the I say all that to say it's not really clear as clear as we would want it to be because it's always looked at a case-by-case -case basis and there are elements to determine kind of is this copyright infringement can this fall under fair use it also all depends on who you have arguing for you there's a lot of things that i don't think are fair use but or things that i do think are fair use that have been argued either way so it's kind of subject subjective in that manner i do just let people know um you can use other people's stuff for inspiration especially with social media right now people repost other individuals items all the time but mm -hmm. just be mindful of the way you use it also be safe and sorry if you are using something and you're selling your product with someone else's material, 99% of the time, that's copyright infringement. So like if you're just reposting on a regular page because you love, I don't know, you love women empowerment quotes and you found a woman empowerment quote and you're not selling anything. So you're not saying, hey, you know, my business makes quotes like this and please come on this website to get more you'll be okay, you know, yes, you're using these other posts, these other people's content as your inspiration, it's fine. But once you start to link it to selling something and gaining revenue- Like it's yours, right? Yes, yes. And, and you know, gaining revenue on the, on the back of someone else's content, it really, really tips the line of um, copyright infringement and you have to be careful. So yes, you can use people's, you know, stuff as inspiration but once it becomes very very similar and it's not inspir it's no longer you're using it as an inspiration you're kind of like essentially copying them mm -hmm. turns into copyright infringement and you have to be super careful when it comes to that so how can people pr uh, protect their content on social media so um with copyrights that's how you do mm. it with copyrights but you know social media is very it's like the wild wild west when it comes to social media um right. this is a extension of the law and the legal field and the legislators have not really caught up as much as we would want them to to what's happening currently so currently you can sue someone for using 
technically you can sue someone for using your images without your authorization on social media. Do a lot of people do it? No, but paparazzi more recently have been doing so. They have been suing celebrities for using their pictures. And it's like pictures mm. of them. So like a celebrity would take a picture. I think uh, Justin Bieber got hit with one. A couple of you know major celebrities have gotten hit with that where they took paparazzi's pictures of them. Like they were the muse in the picture. And that's they- crazy. And they posted it on their page, on their page. And as you know, these celebrities do generate a lot of revenue from posting on social media. And the paparazzi turned around and sued them and basically Mm. said, listen, you are using my images without my... my knowledge and my permission, you're also generating some sort of revenue. You're making money off of posting on social media. Yeah, you're making money (laughs) from posting on social media. You now need to pay me for copyright infringement. It's crazy, I know, but it can happen. Mm -hmm. So um, yes, protecting yourself on social media as a copyright owner, you can enforce that. You can go on Twitter, you can contact Instagram you can contact you know whatever Shopify Squarespace all of those and have it taken down as long as you have a registered copyright um for whatever that content is and then on the flip side as a consumer who's looking to use somebody's images on your social media that is protected by copyright like I said before be safe and sorry reach out to them hey x y and z can I use this is it okay? Do I get your permission? A lot of times people say, of course, it's fine. And then you proceed with that. Do you recommend contracts for everything? Everything as far as every business transaction? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, even if it's something minute, like, because I know you touched on this earlier with the with the hashtags, you have to post at a certain time. Because a lot of people don't understand, like, that is so crucial. <laughs> it's so crucial. It's so crucial. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, even though it might be minute, I always think of it as, how minute is it? And will you be upset if the person doesn't actually do what you expected them to do? Mm-hmm. So, give or take, you enter into a contract, you send someone some I don't know, you're selling something that is, that's worth $10 and you don't have a contract, would you be upset and would you want to go after them legally if they did not send you that $10? Now, if it's a situation where you're like, you know, this is just fly by night, I don't really care, then in those instances, some people don't send contracts because they don't really, they aren't really invested in what the outcome might be. But as long as you are invested in the outcome, and as long as you want to have the legal rights and remedies to go after the other party, you need to have a contract. Even if you're not, you're not swapping any sort of money. I mean, I tell people all the time, even when you're bartering with other um, creatives or entrepreneurs, you know, Mm -hmm. you're a service provider and you tell someone, hey, you know, I'll provide you a service for, you know, a couple of your products. You need a contract for that because what if you provide the service, the person never sends the products, then you don't have any sort of um, documentation that's going to show. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, like you don't have anything that says... um, this is what we we agreed upon so yes Mm -hmm. i strongly uh, like i strongly 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 encourage 
everyone to have a contract. And I say, and my clients know this already, if you cannot enter into a contract when it comes to something that you're doing for your business, then you shouldn't be doing that. If this is a person who you who doesn't want to enter into a contract with you and are extremely hesitant to move forward with a contract, that's not the person you need to be working with. Mm, that's a fact. Um, how important is it to have a privacy policy in terms of service on your website? Uh, very important. A privacy policy is not rec- is not um is mandated, sorry. Privacy policy is mandated by America. Um, The law states that you need to have notice, letting people know what information you are going to take from them when they're on your website and how you're going to store it, how you're going to safeguard it. Also, how can they delete their information if they want to? So a lot of people sometimes will go on websites and sign up for something and decide oh wait I no longer want this how can they contact you to delete their information off of your website because that's someone's personal information if they Mm -hmm. no longer want it to be on there you need to give them the the steps that they should take to get that information off so very very important a lot of small business owners do not incorporate that into their business and it's a big mistake because you can be sued if you do not have that privacy policy posted on your website um Mm. terms of service uh slash terms and conditions they're used interchangeably they are equally as important, but they're not mandated by law. So the law does not state that you need to have it. I say it should be mandated by law, and I encourage all of my business owners to have that on their website as well. It's the law of the land. So all websites have um, aspects of it that can land them in in hot water you know all websites have things that can probably you know be some sort of liability for them in the future so this kind of just sets it all out and says here's what my website is if you if your website for example is offering information um similar to here you know we're on a podcast. If you post this podcast on your website and someone says, well, I listened to a professional homegirl podcast and I there was nah, like don't two- say that y'all. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> in, in the sense that happens and they now, they now take whatever advice that's given on your podcast and then go back and say, Oh, well, I, you know, I follow whatever was said on here and now I am out X amount of dollars. These terms and conditions are going to limit your liability for all of those claims. So it's it's kind of just going to negate all of that, any sort of blog information. It's going to say, this is for informational purposes, you purpose only, you know, use at your discretion, X, Y, and Z. Um, your terms and conditions are also going to, if you are a e-commerce, it's also going to house your shipping policy, your return policy, your exchange policy, all of those would be in your terms and conditions and are just really, really great tools to have. Um, I, I strongly suggest it because it's kind of like having a, a I don't know if this is a good analogy, but it's kind of like having a country with no laws. That mm-hmm. That's what it is. You know, your website needs to have some sort of law of the land and says, this is how we deal with things over here. So in the event that there are any issues or in the event you even have any questions or inquiries and stuff, 
look to these rules, look to the law of the land. It's housed here in our terms and conditions. So um, yes, they both are equally as important. And I suggest every business owner to look into having those drafted. And one thing that I do want to mention, um, you can go online, like I said, Google University, sometimes you can Google and find it, but do not, I repeat, do not copy someone else's terms and conditions or privacy policy. I rather um, an individual get a template and use just like a blanket template and turn that template into their own versus Mm. going to someone else's website who is, you know, your competitor and copying their terms and conditions or privacy policy because no two businesses are the same. You might put something up there. I've gone on people's websites that are, you know, located in New York and it says something along the lines of, if there are any lawsuits, please bring the lawsuit in England. And yeah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) stuff like that. And it it just goes to show that, you know, copying someone else's terms and conditions and privacy policy can be more detrimental to you than anything. So don't copy someone else, create your own, go through it with a fine tooth comb and ensure that everything that is in that one that you create is applicable to your business. Cause I mean, come on, imagine a New York company and someone sues you in England and then you go back and say, well, I'm a New York company. And they say, well, your terms and conditions says any lawsuits need to be brought in England. And here you are on a plane every couple of months going back and forth to England. Ciao. <laughs> <laughs> and that's extreme, um, that's super extreme, but it happens, it happens. It can happen, yeah, happen. I'm, yeah. I'm not surprised, especially in this day and age. Um, last but not least, what is your advice to those entrepreneurs that have the do-it-yourself mentality when it comes to taking legal matters into their own hands? Um, so you can do it yourself. You can do some things yourself. But I always suggest there is a time where you do bring on a professional in every aspect. So not even in the legal, but in every aspect, there are professionals who do have more knowledge on whatever Mm -hmm. the topic at hand is. And they are going to be the person to ensure that you do not fall down whatever these pitfalls are. You do not lead yourself down a wrong path. So there's a lot of people who like to do things in their own, like you said, I don't discourage it because I get it. I understand sometimes you want to take your business into your own hand, but you are like, no man is an island. You want to make sure that you are bringing on professionals who have studied this and who also will be able to ensure that you don't make any mistakes. So at the outset, yes, you can DIY. It's okay. I do also give a lot of tips and I do empower a lot of people to DIY certain aspects of their business per se, forming an LLC, Um, you know, if you want to do a quick term sheet or something of that nature, you can DIY certain aspects and other aspects. I strongly suggest for you to bring on a professional just to eliminate the issues that might come later on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm I'm not completely against DIY, but I just want to encourage everybody to just work with an attorney it saves a lot of time it also saves you a lot of money to just work with the attorney at the out at the beginning well i am super excited about this conversation i think this has been way overdue thank you Uh, thank you 
No, thank you. So I feel like if anybody have any questions, comments, or concerns, you want to reach out to my guests, even though all of my guests are anonymous, but I'm all about <laughs> sharing the wealth. So that's the Brooklyn way. Yes. Please make sure to email me at hello at the phgpodcast.com. This has been an amazing episode and i just want to thank you so much to my guests i really appreciate it thank you thank you so much and i look forward to speaking to you some more and hopefully to some of your listeners yes and until next time everyone later got my prevnar 20 shot it's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine for us wise folks it helps protect i'm 19 strong and asthmatic and at higher risk get vaccinated but but nothing when grandma speaks grandson listens 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma diabetes or chronic heart disease or 65 plus you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia continued approval may depend on a supportive study don't get prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.